and welcome to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff. This is episode 38 of an economist and an artist walking into a podcast and talking about odd things that make the world go round. Happy New Year, Stephen. Happy New Year, Anne. It's uh, 2021. Yes. Uh, 2020 was a hell of a year. Hell of a year. I think 2021 is going to be, it's going to be a remarkable year. Um, yeah, we're going to, we're going to see progress of a kind that, you know, in the last 10 years, maybe we haven't seen. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's going to be an exciting year. It's going to be a tough year. Um, you know, I think, I think in, in, a, in the usual football commentator thing, a game of two halves, like if, <laughs> if, if, if last year was the crisis this year is the recovery. So like, like when you're in recovery from something, you don't feel particularly great. You know, mm. like if you had surgery on your knee and you're in recovery from it, it's not like I'm going to go to a dance now, you know, yes. like it's not that, but things are going to get better this year. Um, and for, for a lot of people, and in a, in, I, I think we, because of where we're at, uh, with the statistics currently spiking and all that, there's there's a kind of a I don't know a fatalism, a I told youism, you know, uh, you know all that coming out. Like the reality is, just keep the chin up for another couple of months. Mm. By by the time we get to episode, well, I guess if we're still doing weekly episodes, it'll be episode forty seven. Okay. Right, so episode forty-seven. Right, um, we 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 will um, we'll hit the end of March, and that'll be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. From 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 just to look back and be like, okay, so started twenty twenty five thousand cases a week, less than twenty five thousand vials of the vaccine in the country. Yeah, end of March twenty twenty. What are we looking? Twenty one. Twenty one. Shit, still doing nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still doing nothing, right? Still doing nothing, you know. Um, yeah. Do you do that where you like you, you instead of instead of writing like your birthday, you go like you know, seventy of August, <laughs> you know, twenty twenty. <laughs> you do I that. Am I do that all the time because yeah. Right now we're in a kind of a contract review. It's part of the year we kind of review contracts and stuff. And like twice today, somebody said it back to me going. You were not born four months ago, Steve. So. <laughs> I like it. Um, it's oh, a funny thing that I have about this year, uh, which I did put it a tweet at some point. Um, so when I was growing up, and when you were growing up, because we know we are the same age, years were always like three, three syllables with the, with the exemption of the seven. So like it was always eighty five or eighty eight or eighty nine yeah. or ninety two or ninety. For as I said, then you ninety seven or whatever yeah. eighty seven, but it was always just the number, the second number. We rarely yeah. said nineteen, and since the turn of the new century, it's been two thousand, two thousand one, or twenty eleven, and that, and even then it was twenty twenty. Yeah. I feel we can go back to twenty one. We can go back to the three syllable description of a year and refer to the year just by the number. And that's what I'm looking forward to. That's a bit of a, a throwback to um, to better times in my head. It's completely loose. It's made of, of no fact, which is what I bring to the show. Yeah. Um, but that's something I'm excited about is just referring to this year by the by the second number rather than adding in the 20 or the 2000. I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on that? When Michael Noonan was Minister for Finance and he was standing up in the... The, the doll he clearly had 
a thing about the third syllable. Like it clearly it really annoyed him. So he would say things like, and in 213, where, you know, and it's like, well, it is not the year 213, Michael, you know, and he, but he, he clearly went, I'm not giving you that third syllable. Yes. Where austerity calls for, you know, <laughs> that for, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it was, it was actually, it was, yeah, it was good. He, he was he was a very distinctive finance minister, and uh, yeah, that was one of his. It was quite endearing. I think one day he gave the budget, and he had a really bad cold. Oh yeah. And he's, you know, I, I wouldn't call him elderly, but he was certainly getting on for years, and he just seemed really kind of under the weather. And the whole country, like, he delivered a massively austere budget, took money out of everyone's pocket, and the whole country was like, "Are you okay?" You know, which, <laughs> is, is, is he all right? You know, people were like offering him, like, you know. Around the budget time, I, I kind of do this. Um, well, when things were normal, I would go up to Dublin and do like radio shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you kind of meet him two or three times in the day, and people would be coming up to him, you know, with like honey and you know, lemsips and stuff. Yeah. Going right, minister there, you know. And it, I think I thought it was very nice, you know, that people were um, people were moving to mind the lad in this in this in, 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 not in a not in a oh, he was the minister. We have to be nice to him. It, just in a like. There's a guy. He's he's not he's not in great shape. But better, better, better mind him. Um, actually, given <laughs> actually, in fairness, also given the job he was doing for the country at the time, you you wouldn't want him taken to the bed like. No, know? no, we we mm. <laughs> yeah, no, no sick days. <laughs> no sick days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think um something we that we ought to also acknowledge is it is obviously January. Um, and we haven't. Uh, we're we're back after our little. Hol uh, our little holiday break um mm. and i don't know about you Stephen, but i spent a lot of the festive period on the couch eating yep. sweets um drinking drinks and watching the latest offerings are like maybe like i i one day i got all three back to the futures in um wow. <laughs> yeah <laughs> And then, and then there's talk about like a decreasing quality of the day. Like very by the true. end, where you just kind of going, just die, Marty McFly. <laughs> well, three is really just a tie or upper. It's not really a film, but no. it was lots of fun. And then um, I watched. Uh, so a lot of shows dropped over the the, the Christmas period on Netflix and things sure. like that. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about stuff that was released. And there's a bit of a comparative thing. I'm going to be honest, there was a show called Bridgerton, which uh, dropped on Netflix. And I just said, I'll just put on the first episode. And two days later, I had watched it. And two oh. days later, yeah. yeah <laughs> I had yeah. watched it. <laughs> like, oh. like they turned on a light bulb in your head and you were like, and that, yeah. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think I, I, what did you think of it, first off? Um, well, I kind of, it was a bit of a show to leave your your brain at the door of it yeah. um like yeah. it it was like i watched another show called gossip girl i really bring the intellectualism to this uh to this podcast uh and it was pretty much gossip girl in in um uh, 18 early 1800 england what i did like about it um was they took this decision to kind of it was explained in the show but ultimately to cast racially blind um so you had people of color 
in period costumes in positions of of dukedom or the queen and that and and the and this was it was a bit of a parallel universe so it wasn't yeah. historical it was no. <laughs> no. at all and yeah. and there was a point where a few episodes in they said you know well remember the the king married basically one of us meaning a person of color and that changed things for us and I, I mean, I think it would have taken a lot more than that to change um, a society. It would take a number of generations. But yeah. I liked the fact that it, you're looking at people in wigs and costumes of all stratas of society in, in England, and they are of all colors and of all ethnicities. And that, and what I found was it was weird the first episode, and then I, would, I just stopped seeing it. And I was like, yeah. oh, this is actually quite healthy. Yeah. Because if we don't see people of color in roles other than very specific things it just it just reinforces really negative things in society so that was yeah. a positive thing it was absolute fluff absolute nonsense oh, yeah. uh ridiculously watchable um but i am an irish person watching this stuff and uh, and i think also you have to i had to leave i well growing up watching this kind of stuff anyway I, I I leave a bit of my uh, national <laughs> awareness at the door um, because there was no Irish characters in it, and um, yeah. so that was my take. It was it was I was Nicola Coughlin was in it, a great uh, one of the Derry Girls, a great Irish actress. Great to see mm. her get do yeah. a turn, do a turn about the room. But I mean, it's it's absolute nonsense. Um, yeah. So that would be what I did like the racial challenge, the challenge of racial norms with that. So how about yeah. you, Stephen? What did you think of it? <laughs> <laughs> More importantly. Um, so, okay. So, so first off, first off, we, we have to talk a little bit about, about priming. Yes. Right. So uh, priming is a psychological phenomenon. And basically, so, so you, you expose the subject to one stimulus and then that influences the response to the subsequent stimulus, right? So if you prime someone, um, you know, uh, it, it, like for example, you 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 have a word like nurse, and then you ask somebody to you say the word nurse, and then you say free associate. After that, nine times out of ten, the next word that comes out of anyone's mouth is doctor, right? Uh, or you go, um, uh, uh, you know, it, you, you say bread. And then some. The next thing somebody else will say is smell, something like that, you know. And so you can you can actually force the choices that somebody makes into a much smaller uh, uh, set than they had previously thought about. And that's how a lot of magic works. Actually, magic kind works of, by priming you. Kind and of Darren Brown, I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of it is priming, and it, it's it's really good because. Like you can positively, negatively, associatively, repetitively prime someone, you know, and you can prime animals. It's 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 a it's a whole thing, right? Um, and we use it we use it all the time in um, making opinions about people. So you meet somebody, and you're primed before you meet them. Like like you're talking about someone's ethnicity, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, you're primed by just the years that you spent hearing about them or, or, or reading about them or, 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 or whatever, right? So, so there's, there's a priming thing. So uh, uh, what happened to me in watching British and what was just a really strong priming. 
Uh, and so what I did was I didn't mean I didn't set out to do this. I didn't like, you know, go, you know, I, 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 I spent uh, uh, unlike no, like you, I spent most of the Christmas period on the couch or doing long walks with the kids, one or the other. Um, and normally we spent like a couple of days on the couch and just in sort of exasperation, we're like, we're going for a walk. And then we go for like a four hour walk. It's kind <laughs> yeah, of yeah. nuts, you know, the kids are like, no dad, you're dragging them around and whatever. Anyway, um, uh, so I decided, cause I hadn't had time to watch it. I decided to watch The Hunger, which is a two part documentary on uh, RTE about the Great Famine. So, so like, it starts, the narrative starts in 1841 and basically takes you up to 1852. So it's kind of a nine, 10 year sort of period. And, and like what it does is it takes you through the Irish experience of, 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 of the Great Famine and it compares it to the experience uh, on the continent. So richer countries uh, like France and Belgium, they also had the potato blight and they had hundreds of thousands of people die. It was very unpleasant for them, of course, but they didn't have a famine in the way that we had a famine, right? Um, and so they, they really like were careful. They were careful not to call it a genocide, which is you, you, if you hear, if you have talk about the famine online, somebody with like 12 followers who's tweeted three times will come back and say, you know, hello, I'm a right wing bot. And it was in fact a genocide. Right. Mm -hmm. Or, or you will, a lot of people say, well, no, it's actually the, 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 the decisions that were made by the authorities at the time who were, who were English um uh, contributed enough to the destruction of of the irish nation that in fact it can be considered genocide um which is which is which is you know the the, the trying to wipe out another people mm -hmm. um, and there was a historian on there who, who talked about it being not genocide but genocide slaughter in other words they didn't intend to you know either uh, to kill a million people stop 400,000 people from being born and have 2 million people emigrate, um, devastate a language, devastate a population, destroy several cultures, in fact, not just one. Um, you know, they didn't intend, they didn't set out to do that. Uh, but that is what their decisions brought uh, on, on, on the people, you know? And, um, and it, was, it was very hard. And I'd actually studied, I'd actually studied the economics of famine in college uh, with a guy called Cormac O'Groda, who's probably the world authority, not just on the Irish famine, but on famines mm. across the world. Um, and he was, he was interviewed a few times for the, uh, for the, for the, uh, for the piece. He's got an amazing book called Eating People is Wrong. It's a comparative history of famine. Uh, it's tough reading, um, okay. but it's all about cannibalism in, in fam famines, you know, the people think about economists as studying the most boring things and that uh, we, we, we so don't. Right. Um, but, but what's, what's fascinating about, um, what's fascinating about, about it is it's like 150, 106 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I, 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 I would say I am six generations away, maybe seven generations away from the famine. Yeah. So it's quite a while, you know, it's quite a while. Um, and my family, my, 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 you know, my ancient family, m much of it is from, you know, Dublin and Wexford. So actually the areas that were most spared by the famine, you know? Okay. And so, so, you know, it's absolutely the case, like, like very large amounts of my family did not have to emigrate. Obviously mm. they didn't die, 
you know, because you and I are here, right? But uh, yeah. but it is very interesting. And, and and three things were clear from the piece. The first is that when called upon to do so, the British taxpayer and the British government decided not to fund relief works in Ireland. Now, remember, Ireland was part of Britain at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea was that the idea was uh, that they were not going to incentivize overproduction of people, effectively, um, okay. and 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 uh, uh, that that the only way they would give food is by workhouses and and public works and this kind of thing. And you could still see, particularly if you go down, I go down to East Cork a fair bit where my mum is. You can still see famine walls there, like like nine foot walls built 150 years ago by starving people, and it's like. It, I, I always, I'm always kind of sh- sh- shook by it because, like, because I'm relatively young, I'm relatively fit, I'm definitely well fed, and I don't think I could build that wall. Yeah. And you just imagine starving men, women, and children. Oh, well, sorry, and this is yeah. as someone who I actually did history to leaving cert, and uh, and I'm I'm a a terrible, <laughs> I'm a probably a pretty average member of the public who watched Bridgerton but didn't watch The Hunger, and I was gonna watch it for the episode, and I went. Do you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to bring my ignorance to Stephen and see see how he feels. So the famine wall. What for anyone uninitiated? What what is the famine wall? Oh, so there, there were famine walls. There were famine roads. The the basic idea was, particularly in the early years of the famine, we couldn't possibly give these starving people food for nothing. Right. Right. We can't just give them food. Well, we, they eventually did give them food in soup kitchens for a while. Um, but they they uh, uh, they said no. We, we you know if you want money for things, then you're going to have to uh, do something for it. And the something was roads to nowhere, um, huge huge high walls, uh, digging out ditches, reframing the land. You know, um, you can still see like they had these amazing aerial shots. You can still see where the land is it has been sort of riveted out because of either potato. Uh, uh, um, uh, tilling, or or just by the, the the works that these people had to do, and a lot of them are kind mm. of still around, you know. So that's what those famine walls were. They were they were literally work public work for starving people. Um, and then <clears throat> so so uh, other things that happened um, it, during the things. So so you had, you had lots of people who were who were starving who who just couldn't. Um, couldn't make ends meet. The 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 ones who could afford to emigrated. So if you got if you had something, you left. And you you there were things called uh, weeping bridges. And if you're if you're interested in this, there's an amazing podcast called the Irish History Podcast. It's a brilliant guy called Finn. He describes um, uh, uh, what are called weeping bridges, okay. bridges of tears, and and literally when you, the whole village would walk up with you you'd have a big party you know it would be a, a wake almost mm. and and you would have a party or you have a have a, a gathering and then you would leave and you would like walk across this bridge and like never see never see these people again like ever like you would say goodbye to your mother your father your brothers your friends the entire community you would leave you might send money back hopefully but like you might not and and this sort of Trauma, I, I think it's, 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 it's worth calling it trauma um, because the, the, the damage of it, the intentional damage, I think is, is important as well. Like we're quite used to policymakers, you know, here kind of not doing the best job. 
but mm. not actively going, you know what, screw those people in Munster. Yeah. You know, like it, that doesn't really happen here. Mm. I mean, I think it, it does, yeah, it, it, it also kind of shows, anyway, to, to, to make a long story short, there were loads of these policies that said, make poor people, starving people work harder, force them to emigrate. Um, the poorest of the poor couldn't emigrate. They couldn't, didn't have the money to go. So they just had to stay there. Um, they died in ditches. Um, the, the, the entire, all of society broke down. You know, like there were, you know, uh, uh, murders, stabbings, you know, people, people would rob anything from anyone else just because they were starving. Mm. The only place where those kind of degenerative kind of social uh, norms or social order uh, 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 issues where I've come across that before is like when there's a war or in like descriptions of the concentration camps um, um, where people, people just are so hungry, they just, the usual stuff just falls away. I remember and, and somebody arms. once saying to me, "We're we're all nine meals away from being cavemen. Like three days, yeah. three days without food and water, things yeah. are great." Yeah. Or in my case, Twitter. But yeah, I mean, you, you're <laughs> well, right. it's why actually just uh, yeah. while you're explaining that the, the the whole weeping bridge thing. I remember in the last number of years, a lot of the recent generation who had to emigrate because of the um, the the downturn and there was a lot of reference to the irish wakes there's a lot of reference yeah. to to people in their 20s and, and early 30s moving to canada australia wherever and having parties and they were calling them irish wakes and i think it was yeah. a throwback to that exactly to that time. exactly exactly um and um the the, the the these ideas the idea of the the, the these bridges of tears and um, and all that like that infrastructure is still there, mm-hmm. it's still within our songs, still within our culture. But if you think about the policy decisions, the UK said, right, we're not going to give these starving people f- just straight up food until they had to, and even then they weren't able to do it for that long. Their domestic politics, you know, they, they, the domestic politics were like, we're we're not allowing our taxes to go up. And then remember that Ireland was owned to, by an, a class of absentee landlord. And yeah. those absentee landlords had rates levied upon them. Now, obviously, the rates that were levied upon them, nobody was paying them, yeah. you know, because they, there was a famine. Nobody, the, the, the subsistence crop was 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 um, was uh, uh, potatoes, so nobody was paying any of those those rates. Um, and so, at a certain point, the there was a decision by the Chancellor of the Exchequer, um, uh, Lord Trevelyan, he of the corn. You know, we still it's corn, yeah, that lot. Um, he, there was a decision that that any of the, any further relief for the Irish population were, go, were going to come from the landlords, unless and there was a particular landlord from Galway who got them, who was an MP as well, who got them to change the law in the House of Commons so such that if people didn't pay, they got kicked off the land. So in other words, we're going to save our money from you. Um, so, so, so the. Starving people, people who, who have seen their society break down, their cultures destroyed, um, are then forced off the land by these landlords, right? And like, who, 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 who could, some of whom continue to prosper today, right? Their, their, their assets are still there. Their families are still there. It's all working out for them, you know? Mm. Very interestingly, so I, I, I live, as you know, Anna out in Maru, mm-hmm. and there were two landlords uh, here and I actually looked up the historical record for the landlords that were here. One was the Barringtons, the people who built Glenstall Abbey. And the Bar- and, and they, they, Barringtons, like Barrington Street in Limerick, and like all Barrington that. Hospital. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the Barringtons were amazing people, by the way. Amazing people. Mm-hmm. Um, do you like doing graveyard tours, by the way? 
Yeah, sure. Love a good graveyard tour, but there's yeah, an amazing yeah, yeah. graveyard down here in in Maru, and uh, it it has a grave on it. Uh, in it, um, there was a lady called Winifred Barrington, mm-hmm. and we should we should actually dev- devote a podcast to this woman's life. She was she she died during the War of Independence. She was mistakenly shot, um, and uh, uh, because she was she was wearing um, uh, the cap of a an RIC person and okay. uh, like she literally just wearing it for the crack and someone shot her oh, she died and, <laughs> okay um, yeah. which you said the Barringtons are out by you and Maroon yeah yeah so well they, well, they were they were mm. and uh, actually it was her death that precipitated uh the Barringtons leaving that her dad was never able to get over it mm. and, and when you trace the history back a little while you see why so so but anyway her grave says her grave has this beautiful inscription on it here lies all that can die of Winifred Barrington. It's just an amazing. Oh, oh, yeah, like they a, were they were very um what's the word? Um very progressive, very forward. They brought then, um they brought uh rugby and statistics uh yeah. to Ireland. They brought public health to Ireland. Yeah. Um there's a Barrington Prize. It's no, uh, every year for the, the statistical and social inquiry society mm. um, named in honor of, of one of the Barringtons. Like they're 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 an amazing uh, family but mm. uh, to their to their genuine eternal credit not only did they give the their abbey over to the monks of glenstall eventually um they didn't evict anyone from their lands mm. and another landlord here similarly and i heard somebody about two years ago like completely uh, and this probably you know somebody completely like like a farmer said do you know Stephen?" and he didn't he didn't give me any of the detail he went that there's the Barringtons were always very good to the people here and I was like what do you mean and he said he said he said you can go back a long way and every he said every generation oh it was a great phrase he went the further back you go the more decency you find wow that's what he said and I was like wow okay um and that's true um and for for the Barringtons and the other uh, I think Kilcrony the other um uh, landlord neither of them evicted people during the famine and right. to their again to their eternal credit um so anyway we finished watching this two-part series right and i and i'm i have to say i think the, the only verb i would describe myself as like fizzing with anger right yeah. like i i know this stuff and like i studied it 20 years ago i mm. i but i was so pissed off when i went to bed i was just like Argh! you know um and then my wife the the eternal optimist said don't worry I have this to show you. It'll be grand. Tomorrow, we we're not going to watch this hardcore historical, economic, political fluff or stuff. We're going to watch nice, fluffy stuff. It's yeah. called Bridgerton. I said, ah, oh, grand. What's it about? It's like beautiful people kissing each other and, you know, being sad. And yeah. then being happy again. I said, great, great. Who are these people? Uh, absentee landlords. <laughs> I said, right, what? Uh, okay, sure, cool, 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 great. And so, so you have these kind of absolutely. I think it's fair to say uh, that they're gorgeous. Ridiculous. These are hot-looking people. They're hot. they're Pack of hotties. They're very pretty. All these people are very pretty. Yeah. You know, uh, yes, very pretty people. And th- their biggest problem in life is like, will I get married? You know, and it's <laughs> it's very very awfully awfully. And, and they love the titles and the Lord and the Duke and the Duchess and Your Majesty and all this. And like, I like, I think the show is cleverly done in that it's clearly going, lads, you know, this isn't, this is literally just a bunch of rich 
Americans playing dress up. Like that's what this is. Like it's not, yep. you know, we're not going for historical accuracy here, as you can see. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. And they have these like lovely bits where they go to a ball and you hear like Billie Eilish playing in the background or something, you know, and you're like, ah, it's kind of their way of going. We, we, we get it. We know why you're here. String, string quartet here. arrangements. It should be. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. It was really well done. And so, uh, so, so uh, I was like, still kind of <laughs> annoyed, you know, yeah. but there, and, but I, I could kind of get over it. Right. Yeah. I could kind of get over it because, because there's a moment where, one of the characters is brought by another character down to like see the poor people who are like all encrusted and dirt and all this and she was like you know living with the living with the pigs and you know she's oh you know is this this is what this is the life that you want you know and, and it was like make a choice to get married to somebody you don't love or poor be really poor and have a crap life like that was the choice that back then yeah. especially for a woman and they make like they make a, a bunch of very like you know right on points about that but there's a moment where the 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 extreme hottie, the 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 duke, he is back on his lands in Hastings. Yes. He's yeah. the Duke of Hastings. He's on these lands. He's wandering around. People are tugging the forelock, my lord, my lord, my lord, not all this. And someone casually mentions that his steward, the lad who runs the lands when he's away gallivanting had tripled the rent yep. on the, these poor people. And I nearly, I'm not joking, man, I nearly picked up the telly and threw it out the window. Because I was like, who's, who, who, is he, who, who is he increasing the rent on, right? Yeah. Normal people. And it's mm. like, I, 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 okay, okay, I know it's not, I know it's not, we're not here. We're not watching... A historical rep but it just it got me that the injustice of it mm. the 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 sheer like the fact that they get to play dress up and have their adventure and yeah. have the swooning moments and the parties and it's an absolutely awful moment where they have a dance right mm. and there's a portrait of them you know oh, yeah. there and it's just like it's so fucking tacky like and you're going oh <laughs> Okay, you know, and they had to have all this, and there's a big rainstorm, and it's going to ruin the painting, but they don't care because they're rich. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, I, I think the, the fact that it was so easy to gloss over the injustice of it. And that it was a footnote rather than a focus. Yeah, and he just kind of went, okay, he, he just accepted it. And there's another moment where the Duchess, uh, the new Duchess pardons a pig. Or no, she doesn't pardon a pig. That's the point. Or choose a favorite pig. There's something about pig. She's meant anyway, to choose a favorite pig. She's, she's meant to choose a favorite pig. Right. And she, but And that will get slaughtered. But she says, yes. no, none of them will get slaughtered. La, yes, la, la. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out there's a massive public procurement problem because yeah. she was going to award, by so doing, she would award the production of bacon or something yeah. to other people. Again, the casualness with which this could happen. She could ruin this this pig farmer life. <laughs> you know? And and she's like, why don't people like me? And you're like, it's like that because because you're wrecking their lives with mm. your sheer incompetence. So I, I to be fair to her. I think she does fix it in the end, but uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think I found myself primed beyond belief to truly viscerally hate 
this show. <laughs> and I, and as I'm saying it to you now, I'm fucking annoyed. Like, of I'm course. really annoyed, you know? And and, think, um, but that's really important. Yeah. I think that's, there's a lot to be said about that, apart from the minute eye and the details within it, but the context within which you consume any yeah. culture or any book or film of that is so important you know that as you said the, the the way you're primed it's funny because i i told jenny we were talking about this and i said oh about the steward rent raising the rent she went yeah but then the duke was going to try and reduce the rents <laughs> no so 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 uh, elka said that as well he was like oh i must try to reduce that but then he doesn't no he has right, to go and there. frolic in the he, fields and oh he's in there fight. working you know like working means staring at paper yes. but he doesn't actually reduce the rents no he goes well, on see, you know He'd, he Was wouldn't it? have as much of the crack. We see the thing is, so this show, um, <clears throat> got, have you ever seen, <laughs> sorry, have you ever heard of Gossip Girl? Uh, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. So the premise of this uh, is that um, it's in upstate New York, not upstate, sorry, Upper East Side, New York, real rich, uh, rich, 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 rich people. And there is somebody blogging called Gossip Girl who comments on everyone's life. So it's exactly like Lady Whistledown who in this show there is a scandal paper that goes around who's talking about people's lives yeah. so that's why i went oh my god this is gossip girl but in is georgian england uh i i don't well it was made up it wasn't a real it wasn't a real um uh, period of time because oh so so unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately it's actually set in the early 1800s it is isn't it yeah. It is, like, yeah. but it's still not a realistic because of, as I said, the racial stuff. But it's funny. Oh, uh, there's it's a not... further, there's a further unrealism. Sorry, okay, to go on. There, um, my mother-in-law watched the watch Bridgerton, mm -hmm. and um, she said, "You know, I, I just couldn't believe, I couldn't believe it." And I said, "What's what? What couldn't you believe?" She says, "The the uh, the, the the big shot, you know, the the establishing shot of of Bridgerton House. Mm -hmm. There's um begonias." And they're always in season, all year round. She's like, that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, Steve. It's ridiculous. And I was like, there's something to not like in this for everyone. But anyway, go on. Go on. <laughs> oh, Seriously, but come on. Like, it's only the summer season, though. Hang on. It's not the whole year round. Well, there is. There, yeah, there, apparently there are moments where they cut to the house in various oh, times. Oh, I get you. Other times of the year. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Look, yeah. I am not here. I am not a Bridgerton apologist. Can I be oh, clear? Oh, oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> and I, I have to say, I didn't, I, and I, I think I hopefully said this. I, I, I did not set out to like deliberately dislike this. I was like, this will calm me down. <laughs> this will just relax my, relax the cacks because, because, you know, I was so annoyed about the whole. But isn't um, it, isn't, and I yeah. think this is what is awkward about justice. It's what awkward about all these things is it's really easy and nice to watch things about rich people with all their money having the crack, uh, especially mm. when it's not your own experience of life necessarily, even though I, I, I'm very comfortable and happy in life. And I, I want, I want for nothing, but I don't live the life of Upper East Siders and Gossip Girl or, or the people back in the day. Um, and we're drawn to that. We're drawn to watch people yeah. who have more than us. It's fantasy. It's escapism. Yeah. But unfortunately, what gets lost in that is, you know, if you're the person who goes, well, you know, in the family, people are like, oh, shut up. I want to watch Bridgerton. I want to just have, I don't want to be thinking about anything else. I know. I know. <laughs> but it would, wouldn't it, I, wouldn't it be like the importance of creating culture that that educates and informs and entertains you know is, is yeah. 
Yeah. It's funny, not not this isn't exactly a segue making trying to make myself look good or something, but in 2014, um, I was in a show called The Unlucky Cabin Boy. Okay, this is interesting about the stuff you've been talking about, and uh touches on a couple of points but it was written by Mike Finn a local playwright my brother David who, who does the music for this podcast um, he, I, love band- this, I love the music for this podcast <laughs> by the way I was so happy to approve it um, it's my favourite po- po- podcast opening music thank you so much well- to the creators <laughs> Very, very, very good. Very good. Creative. Trying to sort out what happened a couple of episodes when he seemed to know with music. Um, he, he goes, uh, yeah, so I'm in a band with David called the Brad Bitt Light Orchestra. So we performed in this show on stage and we were acting in it and we were playing songs. But it was the story of Patrick O'Brien, a 15-year-old cabin boy who went from Thomagate to Newfoundland. And on the way back, the boat hit a storm. They were all adrift. And ultimately... They drew lots between the cabin boys of who to eat. Yes. And they ate him. So it's lots of jazz hands, lots of tap dancing. Uh, not really at all. It was a great show, though. Really great, dark and educational. But that wasn't the point of it. It was it was a, it was a big dra- drama musical. Yeah. But there is a character in it at the beginning. And the man, the ship was called the Francis Spate. And that was the name of the merchant who owned it. And right. if you had grown up in Limerick, um, in the 80s, there was a, a supermarket called Spates. It's on the the site where there's now a new Duns on Henry Street. Gotcha. But Spates was just this name you knew. Now, the family had long died out, but that yeah. the name had carried on. But Francis Spate was quoted, like, so this happened in 1835, mm-hmm. the, the cabin boy. Um, but years later, when Mike Finn was doing research on this, there was he read letters from Francis Spate, who went on about how great the famine was for just sorting out the, you know, getting people off the land and helping just to make everything easier. <laughs> like, and this was, you know, uh, an Irish absentee landlord, but yeah. he was also. He wasn't absentee necessarily. Like I think he lived in Ireland, but well, many of them did, right? I mean, like, yeah. like you know, uh, Lord Leitrim, for example, mm-hmm. like half the year lived in on the ancestral lands, like just lived in his in his gaff. Um, the 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 other six months of the year was in um, London, having the season. Having the season, following the season. The season. <laughs> the peculiars are in the season song. all year round. Stone. <laughs> yeah. But this yeah. is the thing that I suppose, um, like even reading this letter from this man in whatever, 1855 or whatever, going, oh, it wasn't famine great. You know, um, and that's the attitude. And then you that versus Barrington's who were, who were trying to mine people. But yeah. yeah, I just thought it'd be fun to start the year with a bit of... Um, of a reflection on um <laughs> on Christmas TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I, I, I think the main thing is like like you shouldn't take this too seriously. It's not designed to be a serious piece of anything. Mm-mm. Right? It's not. And if you're looking to take offense at something, you'll find it. Yeah. You know, and I I, I don't sit down. Uh, to, to with a glass of wine over Christmas to get annoyed at the telly that's being shoved in my face. That's not what I'm there to do. Yeah. Um, but what happened was like like I I found it very difficult to control my emotions about this. I was I was just I couldn't kind of calm down about it if that makes any sense because 
first off, because I, I'm very alive to uh, policy failures, right? Like, mm. like, like, policy is when the government acts on your behalf to do something, like roll out a vaccine. You know, and can you just imagine if they went, yeah, the vaccine, we're just not going to send it to Limerick. She's not going to do it. Yeah. Why? It's a bit too expensive. She's not going to do it. You know, like, you know, you have to remember, like, the, the people who were, who were most affected by this, they were British citizens, yeah. right? They were, they were citizens, oh, subjects. In fact, they were subjects. Um, and, that, that, you know, the, I think I think that the television that I really want to watch or like the books I want to read in a certain sense have an eye towards colonialism. I want them to understand that this thing happened. And that's actually the reason that uh, Bridgerton can do what it does because it, it doesn't actually have an eye to colonialism. It doesn't actually understand it in any way. None of the writers clearly had a clue about what happened. Um, this is an American produced show, you know, obviously um, uh, uh, the, the kind of the view, if you like, of, of colonialism wasn't there, right? Or, or if it was, the notion was it wasn't important enough to display in the show, right? Because that's not what the show is about. The show is about, um, beautiful people having fun, um, and it's not there to give you an education about, you know, colonialism, right? It's there. It's there to do something else. Now, sometimes you can have aspects of a film that are—they're just nods, little, little nods. You know, a very good, very good example in the new Wonder Woman film, which I really enjoyed. Actually, lots of people haven't, but I, I loved it. It's the 1984 one. 1984, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it's well worth well worth going. It's it's a different experience in the cinema. My God, like you're, it's it's, yeah, it's sort of like as if there's been a zombie disaster and you're the only people. It's yeah, it's it's it, the atmosphere is not there, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, the, in the show, um, the one of the the lead character, she's she meets another woman. Um, and uh, uh, who can't walk in high heels. And she drops them all, you know, uh, she drops some papers that she's been holding. She picks up the papers and says, oh God, you know, I, I'm, 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 you know, scientists, scientists shouldn't wear high heels. Mm -hmm. And Wonder Woman said, well, some do, you know? Yeah. And it's just a real nod. It's a real nod to say like, 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 like that. She, she, they very intentionally give her that phrase to show. Yeah. Sometimes wear high heels, some don't. It's grand, right? There's a there's a there's a nod to kind of open arm feminism and pluralism yeah. in that simple phrase. And they don't make a big deal about it because that's not what this feckin' show is about. No. This show is about a superhero baiting the crap out of evil people, right? Yeah. That's fundamentally yeah. what it's about. But you know, and but you could and you can wrap loads of different messages around it if you like. But sometimes you can make these nods, these nods to wouldn't it be better? Wouldn't it be nicer? There was one nod, one nod in Bridgerton. I just remember now where one of the characters is trying to unmask this um, gossip columnist as such. And she's studying and following people. And basically she, she follows one of the servants into her room and goes, you're Lady Whistledown, aren't you? 
you're the one who's spreading all the stuff and your one the servant goes are you starts laughing her head off and goes do you think servants have time to do anything other than their jobs do you think we have time to write and print up papers are you (laughs) off your rocker and it was this lovely little moment of look darling this is one of you we don't we don't we don't know we don't care well we might care we might be kind of fascinated but we don't have time to be doing this and i just thought that was a a fun little nod to the the class system not the colonial stuff but the class system but but i i i I think i was saying as well that like in my teaching this year i'm I'm really going to make a serious effort to describe some of these kind of you know colonial impulses um and and they 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 come about in weird places like i'm teaching a thing called machine learning in economics so it's about how how we learn from how we can build models that learn from new data as they come in okay yeah um um, and so the the but the issue is which models do you choose which data do you choose um and how do you make the inferences from the data so i'm going to have I'm just designing the course at the moment, but what I'm going to have is I'm going to have the students try to get an inference from the data that doesn't include the obvious thing, which is that the people involved are slaves, right? Oh. And then I'm going to add in another variable, which shows if you account for the actual presence of a colonial power, it's explained in a totally different way to show them Listen, if you don't take account of this, you're not getting the full story. There's a thing in econometrics, which is a statistical study of, of uh, economic variables, I'll call the error term. And when you don't have a, all the information, the error term is massive. And so the, not having the fact that this is a colonial situation controlled for, the error term's huge. You yeah. know? And so it's yeah. how can you get, how you, you, if, you, if you don't have all of the data, if you don't understand the, the institutional context properly, then by definition, you're going to make the wrong inference and your error is going to be huge. And that for me, like, like that was sort of what the problem that Bridgerton had for me. It was like, I totally, it, it's like this, you know, these two variables, mm-hmm. you know, but like they were missing this massive part of the story, which is like the only reason the error term was massive. The only reason these people were able to have this wonderful life was their enormous expropriation of hundreds of thousands of people's efforts and labor and remember they live in a world of subsistence farmers you know yeah yeah industrial revolution is just kicking off there's a beautiful moment of actually where where um the the lead character sees an electric light for the first time yes a little nod to that you're like she's like oh this is never gonna you know kick off or whatever and um that that you know, we haven't gotten into the moment where the average punter can expect to eat well all the time. Mm. And yet these people can live like this. It's just a, it just, it just doesn't sit with me. Like, yeah. And I I don't think it needs to necessarily. Right. I I don't think like, again, I didn't go out to be upset by this uh, or enraged by this, but I, but I am. Yeah, but here's but the am, thing. I'm going to do something about it. This is uh, why we talk about stuff, because sometimes these things are are, are silently there, or they're 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 noodling away, or people are like, "Oh, get over it, just enjoy a show." And it's like, well, it's important that we have these conversations because I'll be yeah. honest, I know when I was traveling a number of years ago, I kept meeting people 
um, from the UK who were traveling the world and were in Vietnam or in Thailand, but they did not know that I was not British. Yep. And that when there is a big gap in education and they, and a lot of people in the UK are not taught their own history. And yep. not only that, these shows glamorize and romanticize you know enslavement yeah. and 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 this stuff and i think and i'm not not the fist wagging anger thing at all it's just i think it's very important that we every so often go eh, yeah. please can we acknowledge this or else or else it does get erased it does get erased yeah. and things get lost in memory and we all prefer the sexy shiny show than the hard-hitting documentaries let's face it yeah. But I do think there is space for sexy, shiny, sexy, shiny shows that oh also God, yeah. are well, well, <laughs> you know, uh, researched and, mm. and, and tell good stories. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think you don't need to have it be ultra woke. Right. And, and just be like, oh, you know, and everything else. But, but clearly the, the show is trying to do some of that. Right. Um, but I mean, I, I don't want to place too much weight on this thing's shoulders. It's a crayon drawing. Yes, you know, it, like, is, I mean, it, it is. It's not, you know, it's not the be on the other. But what it certainly is for me, anyway, it was just a, it was just a wake up call that I, I wasn't expecting to have in any mm. necessary sense, and it certainly wasn't something where I was like, yeah, I wasn't out. I think I've said this. I, I wasn't out to get annoyed. Like I, I really was just sitting there going, this you will chill me you, out. You weren't sitting there with your arms, not, fold, your arms you know? folded, waiting to get angry. <laughs> you know. Yeah. This is it. No, this is it. No, quite the opposite. I was sitting back going, this is going to be grand. Um, yeah. And by the end of it, I was actually like, I'm going to throw my telly out the window. Yeah. I, I was so annoyed with them all. Yeah. And I wanted to stop. Well, that's another thing. Yeah, I'm sure there's people listening to this going, why did you watch the fucking thing to the end? And the answer is because I'm married. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife, I was just sitting there muttering and my wife is, has, has a has series of strategies to, to ignore all of my random stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was actually, um, I found myself, I spent most of Bridgerton reading Barack Obama's autobiography, <laughs> Promised Land. And every well, so often I'd look back up and get enraged and put the head back down again. And you see there, there's a thing, one person in power, a person of color in power does not <laughs> fix an entire society. Uh, no. And no, another no. thing. Yeah, so listen, yeah. on that note, <laughs> I think I probably I probably should let you go. Your internet is uh, is threatening to, to drop. Not ideal, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it's very lovely to be talking to you again, Stephen. You too. And uh, and I look forward to, to next week. And as we continue into... Uh, into 21 and our our time of recovery yep it's gonna be great listen have a good one and happy new year you to you you have been listening to Anne and Steve Talk Stuff a Limerick Post podcast produced by Eric Fitzgerald theme tune is performed and composed by David Blake please rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and tell your friends you can now follow the show on Twitter at Anne Steve Talk Get Stephen at Stephen Kinsler. He's a Stephen with a PH. Anne at Anne Blake78. That's an Anne without an E. And the Limerick Post at Limerick Post. <laughs>